All right. Well, we have a good 15 minutes or so to take any questions or comments you may have concerning today's lesson. So if you have a question, we ask that you just come to the mic. If somebody is there, you can stand behind them and we'll take turns going back and forth. But if you have any questions on today's lesson that we can try and answer for you today, we want to take the last 15 minutes to do that. Anyone have a question? Yeah, one, thank you, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that you did, but I just wanted to make sure. Do you make a distinction between hell and Hades? Thank you. Yes, when we first talked about uh, hell in this particular series, when we went to uh, Luke 16, we said there are a few words that the Bible uses uh, for quote unquote hell or the afterlife that those who reject Jesus Christ will end up in. And it's like the, the word love. We use the word love for anything and everything. You know, I love chocolate cake. I love the cowboys. I also love my wife. You know, well, hopefully you feel more about your wife than you do about chocolate cake and the cowboys, okay? With, with the original language, they don't do this, okay? They will use a particular word to describe a particular emotion or feeling or situation that they're in. So in, in, in Greek, you had different words for love. You have phileo, which is a friendship or brotherly love. You have eros, which is an erotic love. You have agape. And so depending on the situation, that is the word they will use. Well, it's the same way with hell. We use the word hell to describe the afterlife people who reject God will go. But there are other words to describe uh, where people went after they died. So one of those places is called Hades, okay? It is Hades in Greek, but it is Sheol in Hebrew, okay? So you have Hades and you have Sheol. And Hades and Sheol, it simply means the grave, okay? The grave. And so Hades or Sheol was where everybody went once they died. They went to the grave. Now, we said when we got to Luke 16, that simply means either Sheol or Hades or the grave is either two different compartments or the same compartment that is divided. Because we see that with this story. Uh, Abraham uh, and Lazarus are there in comfort one part or one compartment, the rich man, he lifts up his eyes in torment. So Hades or Sheol or the grave is where people went when they died, okay? We would simply just say hell, okay? But there is another place. There is another place that we find in Revelation. It's not Hades, it's not Sheol, it is Gehenna. Gehenna. Gehenna is a valley in Israel, okay, or in Jerusalem, okay? And in Gehenna, that is where uh, they burn things and they burn people, whether it's people they were getting rid of, kind of like a crematorium, or they burn trash or junk. It was a valley where they lit it on fire to burn things, okay? It was called Gehenna. Well, the word that is used in Revelation is not Hades, it is not Sheol, it is Gehenna. And the Bible says in Revelation that when all this is said and done, that Hades or Sheol is actually going to be dumped into Gehenna. Okay, And so that's why we give you the analogy of Alcatraz, uh, Alcatraz because it could be where 
Hades or Shell or the grave, those in hell who don't know Jesus, will be placed in the lake of fire where you have this lake of fire all around them. That is the gulf where it is impassable, okay? You cannot escape because you cannot go through that. So that's what some people believe. But if you go to Revelation, the, the last part of Revelation, you will see where the Bible says that in Gehenna or where Hades or hell was thrown into the lake of fire, which is the final death. So that is really what the final destination is. It is not Hades. It is not hell or shell. It is Gehenna that is really the final destination. Does that answer your question? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Come on up. Purgatory. It was nothing that I, I, I appreciate the teaching because it was nothing I really had had a lesson on or knew anything about. Just like the 144,000, I knew it wasn't to be true, but it did. 144,000 was something that they got out of the Bible. Yes. Purgatory. Yes. Where did they get that from? Where did the. The only scripture that I found, I tried to research and find it myself, the only scripture that I found where they said they. Uh, perhaps used to um, support their idea of purgatory is the one in 1 Corinthians where it talks about the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ where it talks about um, the gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble which is going to be set on fire at the altar of God. And then if you have something left after the fire goes out you will receive a reward for what you have left. If you don't have anything left on there, you will suffer a loss. Uh, but it says, as one escaping fire. Okay, And so they will use that particular scripture and say, okay, well, there it is. You didn't have any good works when you were living, so you had to go to hell and, and work that off, and so you're going to be escaping the fire in order to in, inherit salvation. But they're taking that scripture out of context. Because it's not talking about you being burned up. It's talking about your works being burned up. Okay, And so you can take any scripture and twist it and make it say what you want it to say. Okay, Simply by removing it from its proper context and twisting it to your own destruction. So I, that was the only scripture that I could find where those who believe in a purgatory use to try and justify or support it. Uh, and I'll find that scripture for you. Uh, later on, so you can see where it is. What was that? Did you get it out of just books? Did I get it out of books? Yes. Yes, yeah. So it, it, it's mainly in the Catholic faith. It's not limited or isolated to the Catholic faith only, but it is definitely in the Catholic faith. So just, it's co common knowledge that that's what many Catholics believe. They do believe in a purgatory. But it was a question that came from somebody in here, yes. Somebody maybe who've grown up Catholic or they have Catholic family members or friends who believe in this idea, so they wanted us to address it. So that's where I got it from. Yes, yes. Yes, Brother Jerry. Okay, to be clear, I believe that the Catholics believe that everyone goes into purgatory after death. Oh, really? Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. So just understand that everybody either get everybody has to go through a cleansing before hmm. you can go into heaven. Wow, thank so you. Okay. Is, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I think in, in Matthew 
12 or 13 where uh-huh. uh, Jesus is talking about blasphemy of the spirit. Okay. And you won't be forgiven in this age or the age to come. Right. They use that as well, but that's not what he's he's referring to. No, part. no. Yeah. And, and, and people have, of course, been debating back and forth what is it doesn't mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit or what is the unpardonable sin or the unforgivable sin. Uh, remember the situation that he was in. He had just uh, exercised a demon from somebody, and they attributed that to devil, the devil himself, or Beelzebub. They said, by the power of Satan, was he able to cast out Satan? Jesus said, you know, that doesn't even make sense. You know, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom won't stand. He says, but, and that's when he goes in, this is the unforgivable, unpardonable sin. When you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, so I believe it means when you come against the working of the Holy Spirit, that is the unpardonable sin. And that is the only way anybody is saved. It is by the working of the Holy Spirit. So if you reject the working or the power of the Holy Spirit, God says, I don't have anything else for you. That is the one sin that cannot be forgiven. If you reject the Holy Spirit or the working of the Holy Spirit, that is the one sin it can't be forgiven. Okay? That's what I believe in that. Yeah, and again, that's debatable too. Some people say, is it this age that he was actually in at the time? Is it the age of the Gentiles or the times that we're living in up until uh, the end times happen and then the age to come would be the afterlife? I guess that would be debatable. I would say in this age, meaning in time, and then in eternity. So this age would be time. The age to come would be eternity. If you reject the power or working of the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven in this age or in the life to come as well. Yeah. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I can't find the scripture I'm looking for. Okay. Um, you can just kind of quote not, it as my much. My phone is not fast enough. Yeah, just quote as much as you know. The, we'll, the pages. We'll um, uh, just to reiterate on what Jerry said uh-huh. uh Catholics do come together and they actually pray to Mary the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. to uh, um, to take that soul out of purgatory. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that, okay. questioned it as a nine-year-old child <laughs> going, wait a minute, my friend is not in heaven. Yeah. Anyway, another subject. Mm-hmm. Um, touching on, uh, I've heard people say, uh, I guess an example. My mother's passed away, mm-hmm. and um, I feel her spirit with me. Mm-hmm. I feel her all the time. Mm-hmm. I hear her talking to me. I see her here. I see her there. Mm-hmm. She's a Christian. She is going to heaven, mm-hmm. but she's just so present here. It's like she's in purgatory. I'm like mm-hmm. purgatory. You know. Yeah. I know. I've always that's a negative word. Yeah. What is your feeling on? I mean, the, the, the first that will come when he comes through the clouds are mm-hmm. those in the grave. Right, right. So when you're speaking to someone about that, and to me, all of this doesn't really matter to me, right. but when you're talking to someone about Christ and they're so desperate because someone has passed away in their life that was close to them and they're just distraught about right. death, Mm-hmm. And you want to minister to them, mm-hmm. and you're telling them, okay, if they accepted Christ as their Savior, they are in heaven with right. Christ. So we're saying they are in heaven, mm-hmm. but they're in the grave. Mm-hmm. 
but the soul is in heaven, mm -hmm. the body's in the grave. Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to help them understand where they are. Like, I've got to know where they are. My mother passed away. I regressed the next day, and immediately God told me, stop. Yeah. And he gave me a vision of where my mother was. Mm -hmm. And I had peace about it. I don't believe that everybody has that unless they have the connection with God. But I think, how would you explain that to someone yeah. who doesn't know deep uh, Very scripture? good. Uh, first and foremost, when somebody is, is struggling with death because they just experienced, I don't think that is the time that we want to correct their theology and um, you know, try and help them out because right then and there, they just know what they're feeling and going through. And I, and I, use, I use this as an example. Um, my um, uh, niece's um, fiance's mom just passed away. And, and I say, you know, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to just call real quick and begin to try and minister to them because right now all he's feeling is I'm hurting right now. Okay. Uh, you can tell me you know, all the scriptures and all the truths and all that is not going to matter to me right now because I'm hurting right now. And the example that I gave my family was this. When Job was going through his episode, when he lost his children, he lost his livelihood, he lost even his health. The Bible says his friends came and they sat with him for seven days, not saying a word. Just sitting there, just, just saying, I'm just here for you. I'm here with you. I, I want to hurt with you. And sometimes it that's just what they need at that particular time. Once the pain has subsided, once they've gotten over the grief, once they're now dealing with it, then yes, I think we can go and we, we can talk with them and try and help them out. But in the heat of the moment, you know, we, we don't know what to say. So we just say anything thinking it's going to help. And it doesn't help. Oh, well, you know, God just needed another angel. No, they're, they're not angel, okay? That's not going to help them, okay? You know, the, their, their work was done here, so God just called them home. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> they just lost their loved one. They don't, they don't care about all that. So just be there for them. Just be a shoulder that they can cry on, minister in that way. And then once they have gotten through that moment, then we can come to them and try and minister with the truth of God's word. And I say the truth of God's word is because we all will have different experiences when it comes to death, death of our loved ones or whatever we experience. So we cannot go based on experience. If somebody comes in and says, well, I know my, my loved one is in purgatory because I hear them or because I feel their presence. Yes, that is your experience, but your experience does not trump God's word. We cannot go based on feeling. We cannot go based on experience. We have to go based on what God's word has said. And so when you go to somebody, you let them know the truth of what God has said about what happens to the believer, to the Christian who dies. And Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which lets us know that we are not just physical. We are also spiritual. And even the world will uh, understand that the world will say when somebody dies oh they're in heaven now knowing that they're about to go to their funeral and their body is right there but yet they say they're in heaven so they even agree that we are more than physical the world who does not believe in God will even agree that yes there is a spiritual side to us 
But it is exactly what the Bible says. Paul says to be absent from the body. That is who you really are, your spirit, when it is absent or separated from the body, you are present with the Lord. Another scripture that comes to mind was the very first martyr, Stephen, when he was being stoned, he looks up and he says, I see the Lord standing. Okay. Now, Jesus went to sit at the right hand of the father. Stephen sees him standing, ready to receive him. The very last breath that you take on this side is your next breath in glory with God. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So I would say, tell people what the Bible says, not what you feel, not what you experience, not what you hope to happen or want to happen. Simply tell them what the Bible says happens to the Christian or to the believer who dies in Christ. The Bible says when Jesus Christ comes back and the scripture you mentioned, the dead in Christ will rise first and then those who are left uh, will be caught up to meet him in the air. Before that, it says when he comes back and those who died in him will come back with him. Well, how can they come back with him then if they're not with him now? That means they are they have to be with him now. So you give them those scriptures to say, listen, if your loved one, if your mom, if your sister, your brother, if they were believers in Christ, if they gave their life to Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry them about, about them being in purgatory, about them being in hell, about them want, being wandering spirits on earth, because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when they are absent from their body, they are immediately present with the Lord. Just give them that word and allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest in their heart. Okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. I'll make it quick. Okay. <laughs> the story that you told about the burning Giap, Gehenna. Gehenna. Uh, Gehenna. Does uh-huh. that support cremation? Great question. Great question. Now, cremation is a whole other subject. <laughs> we don't have too much time to get in it, but let me just say this. I believe that creation or burial is more of a preference than a principle. Okay. Now, you may say, well, you don't find anybody being created or cremated in, in the Bible and all. Absolutely. But remember, the Bible is both prescriptive and descriptive. Okay, Whenever you have a topic that you are dealing with, ask yourself, is the Bible describing what happened or is it prescribing what is supposed to happen? And you cannot find not one scripture where God is prescribing what we are to do with the bodies when someone dies. We find what they did, and they, they hewned out tombs from side of the mountain. So are we to say we got to do that to every person who dies? No. We bury ours in the dirt. Okay? So you can't go based on what the Bible is describing. You have to look what the Bible is prescribing. And the Bible does not prescribe anything about what we do with the dead body, okay? We always say this, cremation will do in 30 minutes what naturally will happen in 30 years, okay? God said, from the dust you were taken, the dust you shall return. Either way, you're going back to the dust. You're going back to the ground. Whether it takes 30 minutes or 30 years, that's what's going to happen. So I say it's a personal preference, as far as what you would want to do as far as cremation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you die, your soul goes to heaven. What about those who are going to be going to hell? Do they go to hell as soon as they die? 
Absolutely. I, I, they would go to uh, Hades or Shell, the grave, which right now it is a place of torment. And later on, that place will be thrown into the lake of fire. So yes, when they are absent from their body, they are not present with the Lord. They are absent from the presence of the Lord, which is what hell is. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's the story of Luke 16, which is what happens to them. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Ms. Bonnie? <laughs> what, if, what if they believed in God, mm -hmm. but and then they went, you know, far from God. Okay. Then they came back when they know they are passing away within the week. Mm -hmm. Where would they go? Good. Great question. <laughs> We go to the story of the thief on the cross, okay? The thief on the cross got a deathbed, okay? Not everybody gets a deathbed experience, okay? But even on your deathbed, if you rejected Jesus Christ, if you denied him, if you blasphemed him, lived a sinful lifestyle, but even on your deathbed, you cry out to the Lord or you put your faith in him, God's grace is sufficient in that situation as well. He will receive you. And we see that by the story of the thief on the cross. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? Once saved, always saved is something we do believe in. It is a doctrine that is debatable in, in church and Christianity. There are some Christians who don't believe that way. Uh, and there are, of course, those who do. When we get to heaven, we'll see uh, who, who was right or which was right. <laughs> uh, and both sides have different scriptures to back up why they believe the way they believe. We at this church do believe that once a person is truly saved, okay, and nobody knows really if they're truly saved but them and God. We, we don't know that, okay? But once somebody is truly saved, yes, because of what we believe takes place and happens during salvation, yes, you are securing your salvation. Let me just say this, even though I know we're all family, we, we, there's no guests or visitors here, we never want to take it for granted that you are right with the Lord. Okay? The Bible says in Matthew 6, I think, or 7, there are going to be many who say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many works and miracles in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. Not that I knew you for a moment and I lost you. No, I never knew you. So just going to church isn't enough. Just putting your name on a roll isn't enough. Just giving tithes and offerings isn't enough. Just serving isn't enough. You must surrender your life and your heart to Jesus Christ. Depend solely on him and the finished work of, of, of the cross in order to inherit salvation and never end up in a place called hell or the lake of fire. So if you have never made that decision before in your life, make it today while you still can. Not everybody gets a deathbed experience. There are people who leave this world and they never knew that that was going to be their last moment on earth. Don't depend on a deathbed experience and certainly don't depend upon a purgatory, okay? You will be sadly mistaken. So make the decision today. Give your life to Jesus Christ while you can. That way you never have to worry about this place. Amen? Go ahead and stand, if you will, please receive the blessing or benediction of the Lord, and we will be dismissed. God, we thank you so much for your presence, and we thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to be in the know, to know you, to be known by you, and also, God, to know and understand what's on the other side of this life. 
the secrets and the mysteries of this great kingdom you've allowed us to be a part of, God. We don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. But we are grateful to be in the know and to be a part of this great kingdom of yours. But as we leave this place, God, we want to be assured of our salvation. We want to be assured that we are in you and you are in us. And there is nothing, God, that can ever again separate us again. You have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. You have purged our sins away. And so now when we leave this world, when you call us home, we know now that we will be in your presence forever and ever and ever. But now as we prepare to leave this place, may we go changed and may we go thoroughly equipped to give this same gospel message to others that they may know and understand and believe as we do and not believe in this lie or this deception concerning purgatory. But we pray as we present the truth to them and your spirit, God, quickens their spirit to believing that they too will be made right in your eyes and be saved as well. So now as we prepare to leave this place, may we never leave the truth that we have learned. May it go before us and do all that you have called it to do for our good and for your glory. These things we ask and pray in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said to God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.